Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. everyone and welcome to the wonderful world of wine our weekly radio show and podcast where mark and i discuss all things trending in the wine world and how are you this week mark i'm great kim how are you i'm i'm pretty busy but i'm doing very well thank you that's good keeps you out of trouble (laughs) that's right we don't want me in trouble no and it's all like wine related believe it or not so yeah very busy time in my life right now that's a good thing yeah, so things are good. 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 So we first off need to talk about something that is ongoing in the country of France and a couple of other places to a, to a lesser extent, Italy and a little bit in England, but it's weather related and there have been massive and really terrible frosts that have been taking place across France and it is really putting the 2021 vintage in jeopardy in a number of different regions. This was interesting to me, Kim, because I I found out about it first on Instagram before I found it out on like Google News or anything Mm. being reported. So people who are on Instagram, you always see these beautiful pictures, right? In this case, there were these beautiful pictures of the skyline all in the vineyards, all lit up with little fires to keep the vines warm. I mean, it was beautiful. And I felt kind of bad because it's, you know, on Instagram, you can, you can only like something and you don't mm-hmm. really want to like it because you people think it's something good happening there, but it's something very, very bad that's going right. on. So this is, you know, when we talk about vintage, what does vintage matter? And what does the year of, you know, when the grapes were picked, what does that matter? This is one of those instances that really demonstrates what it is about the differences from year to year that can really have an impact on either the quality of the wine or the quantity of the wine. So what happened this year, and this really took place in early to mid-April, was that in March, there were some warmer days uh, really across the country of France. So as the temperature is warming up and the soil is warming up, the vine is saying, hey, it's time for me to come out of my winter slumber and start becoming a plant again that looks like it's actually alive. So leaves and buds and all that springtime stuff that that we see for our trees and our flowers and our fruits uh, everywhere. So the plant started waking up, it started producing leaves, it started producing buds. And then the regions were hit with this cold snap, um, like really cold, like below freezing. And this is problematic, not so much for the vine itself. It's not going to kill the vine because the vine survives winter year after year after year. But because a lot of the vines had already started to bud, what happens is the frost will kill those buds. And the bud is what leads to the grape clusters. So one of the biggest impacts was on Chardonnay vines because the Chardonnay vines are one of the earlier budding varieties of grapes that they grow in France. And so there's quite the concern that like practically the entire Chardonnay crop in Burgundy has been wiped out. 
a lot in Champagne. There's concerns for some of the whites and reds in Bordeaux as well. So, you know, it's a, a countrywide issue right now. And it's the absolute two worst times for, for the vine is when it's just starting to bud and then just before harvest, right? So mm-hmm. the grapes are developed, you don't want bad weather, but this is just absolutely the, the worst thing that can happen. So we were saying earlier that to prevent the frost, they actually go out into these vineyards and put, what do they call them? Smudge pots? Smudge pots. And the English have another word for them, like boogies or something like that. But they look like little fire like pits or, pots or like fires. pots of like what you would get, you know, a gallon of paint in, but they're yeah. full of fuel and they light them on fire and they they create heat, which is, you know, m- will move the air around and hopefully keep the the air around the vines from getting cold enough to freeze them. And there's thousands and thousands of them out there that they put out. And it's just, like I said earlier, an amazing thing to view, but just sad the work they have to do to try to save the crop. And then unfortunately, like you said, Kim, they had mentioned after that they did lose quite a bit. And you mentioned other countries. It was also noted in Northern Italy too, they were having Mm -hmm. some problems with with frost this year. So I don't think it's quite at the... To the extent, um, I know I've been reading some things out of Piedmont that they were concerned about some of the grapes in that in that region because it is a you know a more northerly region. But I had also read that England was having some issues with this, and I think Germany as well. I saw Bordeaux. I just recently mm. saw a chart where a good chunk of Bordeaux was also hit with frost. Or so were they concerned about any particular grape variety in Bordeaux that you that it, you noticed? It, it looked to me like it was more the right back. So I would say more Merlot mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. So, so but, you know, when we when we do wine tastings and we talk about, you know, what goes into into a wine and we invariably will get on the topic of blends, like why are certain wines blends and why are certain wines single varietal wines? And for a blend, you know, you've got I don't know, two, three, four, five, ten different grape varieties that are blended together to make a particular flavor for your wine. And a lot of it these days is because you are trying to get that flavor that you're looking for. You know, your Cabernet gives you a little bit more structure. Your Merlot might give you a little bit more fruit. But originally, the reason why grape growers, winemakers would do their wines as blends was exactly because of this issue. Because if you have one grape variety that buds early and one grape variety that buds late and you get this type of a weather occurrence in, say, mid-April, your early budding grapes could get completely destroyed by a frost like this, whereas your later budding grapes haven't budded yet. So there's no damage to them. So I think that that is you know, also something to kind of bring up because these are the things that kind of always stick out in my mind like ah yeah so this is like nature is showing us why we have these traditions in winemaking because with all of our technologies sometimes there are still these natural disasters that will that will happen that will completely impact a vintage and that's the perfect example of why in uh, Burgundy, this is so bad because it's primarily Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and that is it. Very little right. blending, maybe blending of the same grapes from different vineyards. But this is just, it's going to be really tragic to see what happens to this yeah. vintage. Because if all your Chardonnay has budded and then all those buds are destroyed by a frost, you're in a really tough situation. We'll have to see. Uh, it's yeah. going to be 
a different vintage for sure. And, mm-hmm. and it will add to the cost and, and quantities being totally reduced or, but we'll see. Right. We'll keep an eye so, on it. You know, a lot of the winemakers are saying that they, you know, they don't know yet. They'll have to, you know, wait a couple of weeks to find out if that fruit still is going to be salvageable. And they'll know once the plant starts producing leaves and clusters and flowers and things like that. But yeah, the, a lot of the pictures that were coming out of France and England really work quite stunning, like you said. And and there are a lot of these different ways that winemakers try to fight against nature. And those sorts of things really do make good photography. In this article that we were reading from Decanter, and Decanter has like a whole bunch of articles about this topic right now up on their website. But there are the, you know, those fire pots, but then they use like big fans sometimes in the vineyards. And there was even uses of helicopters to move the air around, which is like, wow, talk about trying anything and everything to keep the air moving and to, you know, just raise the temperatures just a few degrees that your plants don't freeze. I'd imagine they're doing anything they can. And yeah. Sometimes you even see they spray water, which mm-hmm. it must have been so cold they couldn't even do that to see. Yeah, them. maybe. Though and that process also makes really stunning photos. You know, you'll see a picture of a, you know, a newly budded grapevine where everything is completely encased in ice and it's so beautiful, but then you're like wow, like that is, is that good? Is that bad? It's it's really pretty, but that doesn't seem natural and doesn't seem normal. But you do that and then the temperature of the bud can't go below 32 degrees because it's got the ice around it. So yeah, very um, interesting ways that people have come up with to try to try to mitigate this. So we'll keep you all informed with what we hear about the 2021 vintage from France, and hopefully they've been able to salvage some of the vintage for these newly budded grapes. Thank you for listening to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. For past episodes of our show, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Next, we want to talk about a story that was in the Wine Enthusiast magazine. And this is an article, Kim, I've been dying to talk to you about to get your opinion on it because it was all about the wine mom phenomenon. And we just passed Mother's Day. And I thought this would be a good topic, Kim. And sadly, it was kind of, I don't know if it was going negative. I've seen a lot of negative things about this where moms are getting out of control and drinking too much wine. And there was a there was a lot of like uh, memes out there about moms drinking. And, and I don't know if you know, you saw it, Kim, but Saturday Night Live has been doing a lot of wine skits lately. Have you seen any of those? Mm, no. No, the, they had a skit where, where a, a woman was together with all her friends and they're giving her gifts and she's opening it up. And the, the first gift is like a plaque and it says, you know, wine is fine or whatever. The next gift is another plaque. I drink wine every day. So they just kept giving all these wines <laughs> drinking too much. So do you think, Kim, being a mom, that there is this culture of, of jokes about mom and wines? or Yeah, you, you know, it does seem to be a thing right now where, and I don't know if it's making fun of women who have children and who drink a lot of wine. And this is like pre-pandemic stuff too, but I think that the pandemic has just highlighted this a bit. I don't know. I don't know really how to come at it. I mean, on the one hand, I think a lot of it is tongue in cheek, like, 
okay, I'm recognizing that maybe I shouldn't be drinking as much wine every day as I'm drinking, you know, <laughs> sort of not me personally, but people maybe are recognizing that they, you know, are doing things a little differently during this, uh, you know, crazy time of lockdowns and staying at home all the time. And that wine is now a part of that. And whether it's a coping mechanism or whether it's just like I'm doing with all of my baked goods. Yeah. Am I indulging a little too much in the French pastries? Yeah. You know, I am and fine. You know, we're all dealing with this uh, situation as we see fit. But I think a lot of it, too, is laughing at ourselves or yeah, um, which is OK. I, mean, yeah. I was trying to find a way to look at it. We look at this as it's a good or bad thing for mom or a good or bad thing for wine, because I see it as a good mm. thing. It brings attention to wine. Yeah. And it's just maybe moms do. It's their beverage of choice more than than dads or guys. But I just don't. I was trying to find a way to, you know, a good thing about more than it's negative that moms are Mm -hmm. drinking wine or making light of it. But, you know, we need a little humor to get through the days, especially moms. It's the world's toughest job, I always say. So (laughs) if wine helps you get through it, I I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking about adults here. You know, we're not talking about teenagers drinking wine. So I feel like, you know, if it's not problematic, you just kind of need to let people be to live their lives as they want to. I mean, do we give men a lot of crap for, you know, sitting around and drinking a couple of glasses of whiskey? Like, no. So let's leave the moms alone for, you know, having a glass or two of wine at night after the kids. That was one of the things I was thinking too, is that why is it wine mom and not beer mom or whiskey dad <laughs> or something like that. I did see a, a stat that said, if you were to Google search, and I, I should have tried this, but it said if you Google search like moms and wine, like one of the top hits that you get is crafts, you know, craft items with mom jokes, you know, like the glasses <laughs> yeah. with, with things on it. So it is like a trend on Google as far as what people search. Oh, yeah. And like certainly with the memes, there's a lot of women and wine drinking memes. But, you know, so what? So we're having maybe a little more wine than we used to. But I don't know how much of it is perception and how much of it is that people are drinking more wine. And therefore getting this reputation as, you know, heavy drinkers of wine who just happen to be mothers. Yeah, I think part of it is comes with social media and comes with that thing that happens with these memes where, you know, a topic will take hold and then it just sort of spirals out of control. So I I think that that might be part of it, too, you know, sort of a social media influence. That leads me to my next question for you, Kim. Hmm. Is do you think that the wine companies know they should be marketing towards moms or, or women that are moms with certain products or certain advertising to get them onto their brands? Oh, sure. And I think that you've that we've seen this over many years. This is not a new thing. I mean, there are there are brands that are specifically called, you know, like Mommy's Time Out, I think was the first one that I remember being on the market. And that's been out for a really long time, right. you know, focusing on, hey, let's hit this demographic. Let's make some cutesy label, you know, that maybe people are going to buy as a joke or give to their girlfriends and be like, ha ha, this is for you. But as brands that take off, and I think if a company starts its marketing focus that way to kind of use that sort of kitschy grab the audience kind of thing, but then if 
the people who buy it or the people who receive it like the wine or they like the idea of what the of what the label is saying, then they'll continue to buy it. So, yeah, I definitely think that there has been marketing towards mothers, but it seems to be a very particular style of wine, like not expensive, certainly not Appalachian Controle, you know, right. <laughs> good stuff out of uh, Europe. So on, on you that, I, I've seen like that Mommy's Time Out brand sells the label and the name just sells it because yeah. there's new moms or Mother's Day, whatever. It's always a big hit. So Following up on what you just said, Kim, do you see any like better, maybe quality, non-big brand wines that you think are geared towards moms? Like Not that I can think no, of. No single vineyard, no AVA, no real special. I mean, I mean, you know, things like that. Are they anything below everyday wines that people are going after moms? I, I was thinking like the McBride sisters line just came out. And I didn't know if they were really marketing towards women or maybe even the low-cal or low-alcohol wine Mm -hmm. being marketed towards moms or not. Yeah, but I'm not going to call the low-alcohol, low-carb, whatever wines. I'm not calling them fine wines. Better quality wines, yeah. Yeah, no. But So there's really nothing, there's no real line like that in the in the wine world that I've seen. I think for better quality, specifically marketing what they're hoping will sell it. Yeah. So what about, have you heard about like the Hallmark wines? Hallmark I've heard about them, in? yes. Do you think that's tailored towards moms? Um, Moms, I don't know. Women, probably. Yeah. So, but not all women are moms. Oh, well, that's an interesting thing you just mentioned there. So <laughs> there you, <laughs> I'm just trying to word it now. So you would think there's a brand that maybe marketed to a woman who's not a mom. Yes. More, yeah. Being, what would that be? What would you think? Mm, That's such a loaded question. And I I feel like marketers have been trying to do that for a really long time. You know, we're, we're just finally coming out of sort of the stereotypical wine descriptions of talking about wines as, you know, oh, lighter wines are for women and, you know, gutsier wines are for men and sweeter wines are for women and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Funny story. I used to have customers come in to the store to buy wine and they're like, I'm looking for a wine for a woman. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like you got to give me more than that. Dude. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but then like my, my follow-up, it would be, okay. And what kind of wine does the woman like? <laughs> like right. I, there's no like set wine that says, okay, this is just for women. So yeah. <laughs> well, definitely women wine shoppers pay more attention to what they're getting. You know, they, they look for certain things on the labels, you know, like a, I feel a woman would buy another woman the mommy's time out because they, mm-hmm. they're thoughtful, you know? And then I don't know if you remember in the past, there was an Australian line called Bitch. Do oh, yeah. Do you remember that? And it was, and, it was, and it I, was, was it Australian? It was Spanish for a while too. It was Australian and then it changed to Spanish. Yeah. And then I, I haven't really seen it lately. But anyway, I would see guys come up with it. Say, I want to get this. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you, you might want to <laughs> think about what you're doing. Women though, would would also buy for another woman as a joke, sure. you know? So I always yeah. thought it was interesting to what people thought of that label, you know, on Mother's Day, you wouldn't go. With, uh, <laughs> you, know, you you had to be really strong in your relationship to get that. <laughs> so you, as a mom, you think, I mean, this is a real thing out there, right? I mean, the, the whole mom movement for wine, it's strong. Um, Like I said before, like, I don't know how much of this is reality and how much of this is just... Social media, social media, honestly. making it up. Yeah, 
I, I, I'm wondering why they don't jump on the trends then if it's a social media thing, like moms and rosé and moms and wine and can. Yeah. And it seems like it's the same. It's just overall wine. It doesn't right. seem to be a specific. It's not specific. Which yeah. makes me think that it's not about the wine. It's not marketed like most other things then. They're not really taking advantage of the yeah. the marketing as much. Or maybe brands are afraid that they do have a better quality wine that they could damage the reputation of it by doing something sort of kitschy like this. Yeah, I just, I feel, it's always interesting to me how people perceive things when they come up. And I mean, it, to be an article in Wine Enthusiast magazine mm-hmm. to bring up the issue. Did, it's did on you, the radar, right? Yeah, right. It, but they didn't really like go one way or another say, you know, saying anything good or bad about it. I, I've always seen bad sides of the story saying, you know, yeah. women are drinking too much. They, you should be paying attention to your kid instead of, you know, mm-hmm. drinking the wine. But what's the good, what, you know, what can be some of the good things? You know, brings brings attention to wine. They're doing it responsibly. They've had a hot day and, right? <laughs> and, I mean, and we all have those days sometimes. Yeah. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. and We are your hosts, Kim and Mark. You can find more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. And more information about Mark at franklinlickers.com. Welcome back to the wonderful world of wine. We are going to tackle a wine term that you may have seen on a wine bottle or in a wine review. And the word is extraction. So what immediately comes to mind when you hear the word extraction in relation to wine, Mark? Years ago, Kim, I used to always think of this as like, it would trigger something in my brain that's something bad, like they're doing something bad to the wine. Really? I never interpret it correctly. I mean, talking long, early on into wine. Okay. But the true definition is just taking things out of the grapes to put it in some sort of liquid form, right? Just exactly what it sounds like, extracting things out of the grapes. Yep. And this whole process is how they do it. What do you immediately think of when you hear extraction? I mean, it's definitely geeky. Our listeners, this is a geeky thing, but we just want everyone to know, you know, what it is. Yeah. No, I, I totally overwhelmingly positive for me. It's just it's a winemaking term. And you usually hear it in relation to red wines because so much of the character of red grapes are contained in their skins. So the way we make red wine is you have to have the juice of the grape in contact all mushed up together with the skin of the grape so that either the water soluble things in that grape skin can be pulled from it into solution or as it starts to ferment, you've got alcoholic fermentation going on and then that alcohol will pull other things from those grape skins. So you get tannins and you get color and you get flavor and you get all of these um, chemical components like anthocyanins, which are the chemical that are that's that gives fruit its color that's really, really good for you. So it's like it's why grapes are good for you. And it's why blueberries are good for you. And it's why cranberries are good for you because they're really they have a lot of color so that those color compounds are are good for human health. But there's a lot of balance that winemakers have to do during this process to only extract the good things and not extract some of the bad things. And you know, sometimes you can extract too much and then you have a red wine that's overly tannic or not enough, and you have a wine lighter than you expect. So, you know, it's one of those things that I think winemakers have learned by trial and error over the centuries of making wine, but there's also a lot of science that goes into it too. And you mentioned it, Kim, if it's something that's an unbalanced 
extraction. It's called over-extraction. So you mm -hmm. can hear that term used a lot as well. You also mentioned balance, Kim, and I wanted to ask you, does extraction lead to good balance in a wine, do you feel? I it's think it depends on the wine. In the, in the type of and the, grape yeah, the and the style, The style right? that the winemaker is going for, sure. What about, do you think, an, a winemaker that does an extraction process, is it lead to a better quality wine? Again, I think it depends on the wine. Um, you know, there are some wines that do have more extraction going on in them. And then those are wines that maybe need a little bit more time in barrel to age or a little more time in bottle to age in order to sort of soften out some of those rough edges. But then there are other ones that don't have a lot of extraction. They're still really delicious, but are made to be consumed a little bit earlier. They don't need that extra time to uh, kind of round out those rough edges. So for me, it's not, it's neither a, a good nor bad. It's a, what can the, what are the best qualities that that particular grape variety can give? What style of wine is the winemaker looking for? And how good of a job is the winemaker doing in hitting that goal, I guess? So would you also agree that cost is also depending on the wine? Like uh, if there's a wine that they do a lot of extraction technique, does it, is it lead to a more expensive wine or, or it doesn't matter? Yeah, I think sometimes it does lead to more expensive wine because I think if those wines need more time in barrel, then there's the expense of the barrel. There's the expense of holding onto those wines for a little bit longer so that they can age a little bit and taste better. So yeah, I think that there's always that extra cost associated with um, with a technique like this. How about do you think it's a personal taste preference? If if you taste something you feel is is over extracted or too much extraction, I, I like to use the example of like. Miomi Pinot Noir, mm, mm -hmm. very popular wine, but totally different style than traditional Pinot Noir. Would you consider that over extracted or just a totally different style of Pinot Noir because it's so, so dark compared to totally other? different style? And it doesn't come doesn't do have anything to do with the over extraction of the Pinot Noir. It's because they add like 25 percent Syrah to the thing. <laughs> right, right. And <laughs> adding color and stuff like that. Right. But, but initially tasting something like that, what, what's your first impression? Oh, extraction or just something's not right? Something's not right. Okay. <laughs> but so, also I know what to look for. Like right. I no, know no, no, that no. that's not your typical Pinot Noir. So right. I have a glass of that and I'm like, something's something's up with this right. wine. So here's where I'm going, Kim. When I oh. said early on, when I first got into wine, tasting a wine like that, when I taste it, I'm thinking something is weird. And then I then I hear the term extraction. I'm thinking, mm. I'm thinking of something like that where something's going on, but it wasn't that. Ah, it was additives or, or something. Yeah. So that's where I was going back to. Yeah. I want to kind of loop you in on my my weird thinking. <laughs> There's a method right? to your madness. So, yeah. So originally when I heard it, it was all the time like, wow, they're really messing with this somehow, right? It's not naturally a process they're doing, but it is an, it is a natural winemaking technique that is done. And like you said, mostly in red. So that's where I was going with it. Nice. What, anything else on uh, extraction? You think it's overused? Is this, we didn't, I don't think this was one of the terms when we did a show on words that are misused or mm. overused, right? I mean, um, it no, but I do feel like I see it more often now. And also as how, the how popularity of- like an, in a review, you see it? Um, in a review, in just the way that people talk about wine. So in, you know, in just discussions, I think yeah. about certain styles of wine, I feel like I see it pop up, but it you have to, as 
say, the popularity of orange wines and natural wines become a little bit more. And we see more and more white wines being made with skin contact. We're also seeing this term come into play for those wines. So extraction now is being used to describe how is the winemaker treating those white wines that's being aged on the skins. So they're not going to get a red color from the grape skins, but they are going to extract some tannin and different flavor compounds and a different like textural feel in your mouth. So yeah, I think the conversation around extraction is very much a part of talking about orange wines and some of those more natural wines. I've been hearing it more and more, especially with people who taste a lot of wine Mm -hmm. and people are telling me, oh, this is very extracted or, you know, it's... Yeah, I think it's coming more to play recently. Yeah. And it could just be that, you know, styles are changing because styles are always changing. And for a while, you know, 20 years ago, we were, you know, deep in the heart of big, bold, powerful, very extracted, very oaky reds. And then it kind of dipped for a while where there was this move towards sort of leaner, lighter, more Pinot Noirs, things that didn't have quite as much extraction. And so maybe now we're going back up the mountain of extracted, big extracted wines again. So that could be the direction that current style is heading. Have you ever heard the term used for a sparkling wine that's made the traditional method? Mm, No, I don't think I have. No, I was thinking of that when I read this article that I've never heard extraction used for bubbly. For especially ones that are sitting on the leaves. I mean, isn't the whole point of that? But you're not the extracting the flavor from the leaves. Well, oh, to me, it extracts aroma. Mean. No, I mean, isn't that one of the hmm. other things from the extraction process? You're drawing out That's aromas. Yeah, I guess it would depend on your definition of the word extraction. Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. Thing. But I've never I'll have to give that I've some thought. Yeah, hmm. and yeah. So, with- I mean, usually we associate it just with skins but how about with rosés yes yeah we talk about it with with rosés i I agree with that too and you have to because that's how you get the color right it's interesting certain it mostly reds though so if our listeners hear this term extraction i think it's it's geeky and if you're you know someone's trying to sell you a bottle saying that i think they're kind of throwing you off would you ever use that term or did you ever use that term when you were selling a bottle I don't remember. I may have. Yeah, I can see you using it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I get really excited about wine. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's I all, throw out all the, the level of the person, right? Yeah, I, that's true. I've never had the question asked ever in a class. Have you? No. Oh, yeah. we've t- we've talked about it, but I don't think anyone has ever brought it up to brought us. Brought it up. Yeah. yeah. Using that, using that term. But now... Listeners, now you know what extraction means if you read it on the back of a wine bottle or if you see it in a a wine review or an article about wine. Now you know what they're talking about. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine, and you can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. Cheers.